Today's podcast is presented by Podgo. Podgo is the easiest way for you to monetize your podcast, providing podcasters with a flat rate for ad space so you always know how much you get when you include an ad from Podgo. We recently joined as a member and you can too. Apply today to become a member and immediately be connected with advertisers that fit your audience. That's podgo.co at P-O-D-G-O dot CEO. Don't forget to add the two-on-one podcast in the how did you hear about Podgo section of your application. Now get ready for the rest of the episode. Lads, we're back. Yep, still I, here. I Sounds, feels ominous today. Why? I don't know. It's like the calm before a storm. After like uh, there was already a bit of a, a storm. bad storm. There's a thunderstruck joke in there too that I'm not somewhere. Yeah, with a Kevin Durant movie. What? No, the no. Thunderstruck. The song. The song. song. Okay, not the movie. (laughs) I know that movie. No. There was a movie with Kevin Durant. Yeah, it's not great. It's not great. It's not good. Fixture of my childhood. Oh come on! I thought he'd never leave OKC. Get out of here. Childhood. What are you talking about? Wouldn't Michael Jordan have been a wizard in your childhood? What? No, Kevin. No, this movie's about Kevin Durant. Yeah, that's what I mean. What are you talking about, Kevin Durant in your childhood? I was in elementary school when he was drafted. Really? Oh, I'm sorry. I, I have to go with the joke. My son was in elementary school when <laughs> Kevin Durant was drafted. See, I know we make jokes that you're like what, 24 or something mm-hmm. like that. We don't actually know, but like you made the thing about the son on your own. We didn't do anything. I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, how old was that when Kevin Durant was drafted? I don't know. I was like 11 or 12. How old is he? He's like 30. He's turning 33. Oh, I thought he was younger than that. Kevin Durant? Wow. Remember, he just just missed a season. That's true, yeah. Yeah, like, yeah, season and a half. Yeah. Wow, yeah. That's a shame. Raptors really did that to him. Yeah, and then Scottie Pippen's like, you're bad. He's like, no, no. Okay, can we just like, I, I know this is a I hockey that, podcast. And I took that personally. It's just, I love Scottie Pippen. I've always loved Scottie Pippen. He's like, you know, he's the quintessential two way forward type of guy. He right? takes the wrong things wrong. He was more upset about this Kevin Durant stuff than he was about some personal things in his own life, where it's like, okay, calm down, Scotty. You know were that, MK second fiddle, simmer down now. That 1994 shot, he, he, he commented on it. Recently, I'm like, oh my gosh, it's almost 30 years old. That thing. What is that? When Scotty like wasn't given the shot and he sat. Yeah. Yeah, that man, you can't do that. That's giving up on the team. Like that. I know they kind of mess around with that in the last dance, and I think Michael Jordan very purposely made sure that was included and had his comment about the legacy there. But like, listen, you can't talk about Scotty Pippen without mentioning that. Like, it's it's selfish. It was his ego. Michael Jordan yeah. can do that because he's Michael Jordan. Scotty Pippen can't do that. And Scotty Pippen can't be calling out Kevin Durant like that. That's like Evgeny Malkin podcast. saying, I'm not taking the face off in the defensive zone. Exactly. Terrible. The, two, the two-on-one podcast, the basketball podcast. Yeah. Exactly. The boys <laughs> we, we should bring in Will Baldwin and Donald. I was li- I was saying that before you, uh, about this, you showed yeah. up. Uh, not about this, about... Um, Whatever happens to Masai, either way, we should have both of them on for a That's round true. table. We've got some stuff to talk about here today, guys. A little um, bit. In a few hours, I think it's like an hour and a half now, hour and 15 minutes, game two of the Stanley Cup final will begin. And I watched game one. I saw Montreal get dominated five to one. And I thought, 
this does not feel like a reg. This does not feel like a cup final game. This feels like the last three weeks of the season, your team's already out the playoffs. They have been since January and you're just waiting for this clown show to end. Um, that was a bad game. It was a boring game. I hated that game, and I wish we could erase that game from our memories. Uh, story of it, I'll ask each of you guys. The story of the game for me, though, was John Cooper's ability to get Braden Point and that line away from Phil Deneau. At one point, I want to say in the second period, they had only been matched up for about six seconds. Something that hasn't happened like all playoffs is a team getting their top line away from Deneau, Gallagher, and Lekin. And what about you guys? What did you see a big story from game one? We'll go to, we'll go to Alex here to start, then Dan, go ahead. There's, and I want to bring this up at some point. Um, there's a goaltending story. I, I just, I, I have to bring up, like we talked about goaltending a lot, but this one in particular, I haven't seen talked about a lot. But the story of the game for me was uh, Tampa's dominance in my eyes. And like, we all knew they were the best team in the league. Like, I don't know who in the world questioned that. Uh, and it's to me just what I watched was we saw how dominant Montreal, how good, dominant Montreal, especially their penalty kill, was against Toronto, was against Winnipeg, was against Vegas. And then it's like, oh my God, Tampa's like a different beast. Like we talk about Colorado and Vegas being up there in terms of the best in the league. But to me, watching Tampa Bay, it's like they're multiple steps ahead of these guys, not because of the players they have, but because of the buy-in to the system, because of the years of experience of being swept by Columbus, uh, like making it to a cup final and just the experience and the buy into the system is different than what we're watching in Vegas, what we're watching in uh, Colorado, like the other top teams in the league. Daniel. Yeah, I kind of agree with that, that this is a team that what we've said before, they have had so many or so little minimal changes of what they had last year. And they're showing again why they're so dominant. I think a big thing when I think about Montreal and what they've been able to do is when you think about the Deneau line and they'd be able to shut down the top guys, what I think about Tampa is that you shut down one line, but then you'll have that effective second line coming out with Stamkos on the right side. And then if that doesn't work, they have one of the most effective third lines right there. And, you know, we'll get to Blake Coleman in a minute, but it's just what I've said before, the waves that's been going on with the Islanders, what they've been able to push back. They, it just came kind of crumbling down for the Canadians where they didn't really be able to play their game where I'm looking at now that they let the chances happen on Carey Price, who did his absolute best. But the second thing is on the offensive side, they had less than 20 shots on Andre Veselaski, and there were not a lot of high percentage shots there. So I think that there is still, it's still a very long series. Yes. And, you know, this might be different from what we're going to say when the game starts today, but it's another lesson Montreal has to go through, but it's something, it's a lesson they have to get through quickly. Like the same thing they did with Vegas in game one, when they lost four one to that one. And, you know, they look completely different after that. Yeah. Um, the thing with, I noticed a lot too, was um, when there was a turnover, Tampa jumped on it. And I want to say at least three of their goals were based on turnovers that, and, the most unluckiest play by Ben Schrott I've ever seen to knock the puck down. And then I think he got a second touch on it that beat his goaltender. 
Also in that game, like he got his first, I think like it was his first playoff goal of this year and it for the first time in a while. And it went off two different Tampa games. Like what what a weird night that Ben Sherrod had. Um, you also mentioned like going after Brendan Gallagher and they just had a, um, a video of his press conference. The scars on that man, here's something else with Tampa is um, I don't think people realize how nasty they are. And they were able to get away. Like, Sergachev did not get a penalty on that play when he... And I I, I have a big problem. And we, we talked about what happened with Tom Wilson. And, and he got away with what he did with Panarin because that's what the NHL allow. However, I think a big problem that the NHL are going to realize very quickly, if you want these body checks to happen, that's going to be your fault. Um, we can't keep letting it happen to players especially when they don't have their helmets on. And um, the blood that was going down Gallagher, like that was cause for concern. Apparently he doesn't have a concussion, which is, thank God. Yeah, it's a blessing. But um, I don't know. The league needs, and I'm not saying a fishing was a reason Montreal lost. They were outclassed from the whistle, sorry, from puck drop to to the end of it. But man, I like the league, the same day Gary Bettman, goes on about how we have the best officials, not just in hockey, but in the world. <laughs> Which, yeah, he was going to do, obviously, but to defend yeah, his what draft. What was he going to say? <laughs> but, man, that was that was not good timing. No. I think two things there. Um, I, I was going to write in the doc, but I decided not to because I was really angry about it. I was going to put the Mikel Sergachev revenge tour before game one, but, no, that was a really bad play on his part. Um, second thing is... You know, I've I've co- I've complimented him a lot. I complimented him a lot, even on the Devils, like Blake Coleman, what he brings to the team. But that was just, in my opinion, that was a dirty, dirty thing to just take away Brendan Gallagher's helmet, knowing that there was going to be a scuffle. Yeah, and at least he was penalized. Let's see. Well, I think he got it was just a two minute rough on the mm-hmm. play. But you know, I think about what happened to Great. Uh, I always Ryan Graves, not Adam. Adam's the dad. Great name, Adam. Fantastic. Um, when you look at what happened with Ryan Graves and the stuff with Ryan Graves there, now I think pretty sure in that situation, Reeves had his knee on the guy's head. But still, like, I just think of that, like the moment you see blood and you see a, a player's head hit the eyes, I just think there needs to be that. I think we just need to get yourself into a bit more of a gear there, refs and in, in, the, in the league there. I just, you can't, it's going to go ugly. It's going to go so ugly. I was talking to Donald Higney, former guest of the show. He'll come back one day. Friend of the show, we call him. Um. And, you know, he was talking to me. He's like, man, I just – when there's blood in hockey, it's just – because you never know. Because, again, you got to remind yourself, this is a full-contact game played at such a high speed, full-contact, on ice, wearing skates. Like, you think right. of how close Nick – was it wasn't Nick Letty. Who was the Islanders player who got the Lekkonen skate to his eye? Boychuk. Johnny no, Boychuk. Was it Johnny Boychuk? Uh, I could search it. Okay. Uh, anyway. I believe it was. Yes, and he retired because right. there was like he, he. I think he still has vision in both his eyes, but another millimeter, and he right. probably loses that eye. Like it's just, I feel like there is some level of safety the NHL just doesn't seem to care about, and it's becoming more like the microscope that's been under officiating since the mm-hmm. um, Tom Wilson, since Tom Wilson, and even before that, the um, the Detroit Nashville stuff with the um, I can't remember anyone's name today. The official that was sent home, uh, Tim Peel. Tim Peel. Yes. Peel schoolboy. Shout out to them. That's where it went. Okay. To um, yeah, to confirm, it was Johnny Boychuk. Yes. And he required 90 stitches. Right. Yes, it was not good. Imagine 90 stitches around your eye. I, 
terrifying. I, I agree with your point. I just wasn't surprised that the Department of Player Safety did anything uh, oh, no. simply because the precedent has been set. Uh, mm-hmm. The Tom Wilson precedent has now been set in terms of it's $5,000. And I think the reason they didn't give uh, Sergachev $5,000 is because the way Wilson threw Panarin to the ground was deemed $5,000 worthy. I don't know if that was the same situation, same situation, yeah. not same extent, I guess. Well, I didn't Weber like, will- sorry, Iguana. No. And then Shea Weber will get a fine for the trip he had at the end of the game. But- yeah. One thing I just didn't like about that, that I guess sequence is I know the ref was trying to break up the fight, but what was he doing behind Brendan Gallagher? Like I, I don't understand. Like he caused more damage than, than good, and that's just something that, like, this guy already doesn't have his helmet on, and like the weight of him trying to pu- push them away. That sounds like, that sounds like NHL refereeing at its finest. I don't know what they're doing. Sometimes refs need to just get out the way. <laughs> they they throw themselves in the firing line a lot. I don't know, man. I don't know. You know what they should do? Uh, I'm, I'm, I will assume both of you have heard this story because we all listen to Hockey Central at noon. I don't remember the ref's name, but Jeff Merrick always talks about that ref who just lets the scrum happen and see, and we'll see who the real tough guy is. I think refs should just do that because I think without the refs being in the middle of it, I think that changes a whole heck of a lot. When I when I look at that sequence again, it just. You know, like, they're two guys that they play with a lot of grit. They play with a lot of toughness. But it's not guys I'm too worried about when they get into, like, a scuffle with things where, like, Mikhail Sergachev and, like, Brendan Gallagher, where they're going to push around. They're going to, like, say stuff. But I don't expect them to be, like, a Ryan Reeves versus Tom Wilson situation. I mean, one of those are a real player. One is Ryan Reeves. Okay. <laughs> I'm not, not going to get over that. I thought they were going to say one is. I, I thought that this was going to be like a uh, one. One's a player, and then one is like Mikhail Sergachev. No. was a good player. No, I'm not going to insult his ability. I mean, again, I don't like what you did to Gallagher, but you know, I I kind of hate scrums in the fact of it's just okay. Oh god, and you look at one pair of players, and they're basically got their shoulders around, like arms around, like shoulders, like. You're making a move that when you're whistling at the movies, it's like right. ah, I'm gonna yawn over. It's like what are we doing here? And it's so dumb. I, I scrums are the worst. They're just it's showing like, ah, affection. It's terrible. They're just honestly. showing affection. It's dumb. It's dumb. There is legit. It's just like I feel like players just do it because like if 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 coach doesn't see me getting the scrum, I'm not gonna be able to see my next shift. Right. I'll just be riding behind. It's so dumb. There are a few things in hockey. You're like, what's the point? Is scrums are one of them. Just. If not, buddy touches your goalie, yeah. By the way, you talk about Gallagher and playing hard, and we often talk about you know McDavid not getting any calls in the first round. How many times a game does Brendan Gallagher get penalized? Like, or is there an infraction on him? You know, how often that guy gets cross-checked in the mouth. There's definitely a stat for that. Like, I, I would love to see it. There's, it's on one of those websites. I bet we'll find. I'll find it by next episode. Cross-check per net rush or something for Gallagher. I don't know. It's. Because they ha- they have one I've seen one for McDavid uh, I think Sportsnet had it up like maybe last season or something like that, um, so I will find it I will try to find it No guarantees. When does a team do that? Do the with the I think it was what the Lakers did with Kobe Bryant. They sent in a video to the league of all the, the missed fouls on him. And I feel like since then now stars in the NBA just 
just never seem to get calls like LeBron does what he wants now. Even though we're ignore that complete BS call on Jokic. Uh, but well, I mean, we're not going to get Also, um, he broke COVID protocol and they still let him play. Yes. Oh, yes. That, so, that, that was that so was, bad. That was brutal. Didn't Wasn't there a guy in the bubble? He was an yep. NBA player in the bubble and they thought that no, there, there was a guy who went to get his food. And it was also a guy who they thought he was cheating on his wife, but it was just one of the workers. And I saw. I remember seeing a joke. Oh, um, it's a terrible it was Rashawn joke. Rashawn Holmes. I know that was the McDonald's one. Yeah, he picked up like, and was, then they showed his oh, order. It was like, oh. it was sad. It's like got suspended. And it's like they looked at the bag. And it's like a McDouble. It was and, like large like, fries. He, and he was like, he was literally just crossed the line to get the bag and come back. It's like, oh man, you have to feel bad for that guy. And LeBron just does. I remember seeing a thing. It's like. Why did why did mom and dad get divorced? Well, son, LeBron needed ring number whatever. It was with he was with Drake and someone else. And I'm Michael B. Sure. Jordan at like Michael a B. launch party for like one of their joint ventures. Come on, so, Drake. Like, there's a difference between calling the game properly, protecting your stars, and literally allowing them to do whatever they want. Like that is right. terrible. That's like that's like when um oh no we're not gonna we're gonna get distracted we're gonna get distracted. we're already distracted. Something that I really hope gives Montreal a bit of zest going into game two was the penalty kill streak was finished. I want to say it was 31 or 32 is when Tampa scored. End of the game. That squeaker. Something very funny that I noticed. Um, I think it was five forwards at the end of that game on the power play, including Point and Stamkos and all that. Just- if you're Montreal, if you don't see the top guys from the other guys still out there to make it 5-1, if that doesn't kick you in the butt to get going and come out flying in game one, I don't know what will. Uh, you like Seriously, they, that is something that needs to get them going. I'm not mad about it. Like I think it's – I love that stuff. Gamesmanship. Like, come on. Let's go, boys. But – like if you're Montreal, you need to let that be something that's gonna that's gonna fuel you going forward. Uh, other things for Montreal is after this, I'm sure they'll be hoping tonight to go home to Montreal split series one one, and hopefully they're intending to do it in front of half the Bell Center being full. Um, the Quebec government and Montreal Canadians are looking to try and broker some sort of agreement. Apparently it's going in the right direction to allow 10,500 fans to the Bell Center. They say it's 50% capacity, but it's like 21,600. It's not technically, but you know what I mean, right? Close enough. Now, yeah. what I find really funny about this is um, the when, when tickets were first being sold – you know, they go on and you see, oh God, it's ten grand for tickets in the Bell Center. Six hundred dollars in Tampa Bay for a game seven. It's like, what's wrong here? Let's go to Tampa Bay for a game. Anyway, um, you see that and it's like, okay, whatever, whatever, whatever. Um, where am I going with this? Anyway, so know. Montreal are in the process of trying to get those fans in. And what's really, really funny about this is um, so, yeah, that's where I'm going with it. The first round of season ticket holders, because they got priority, had the set. You found out, you know, they were prioritizing. You know, if you've had it for like 20 plus years, it was terrible. Now, today, the next round of season ticket holders got tickets. Now, what's really weird about that is I would see that meaning that they've gotten approval and they just haven't announced it yet. Because otherwise, I don't know how they have the tickets because they've already been on sale. Then they go to resale and then the scalpers and all that would happen. So I'm assuming they have it and they're just waiting to like officially, officially make it a thing. I can see them doing it right before the game. And it's like, well, how are you going to end? It's full. By the way, I'm so, I put that so crappily. I'm so sorry. No, I understand. Completely messed that up. It's okay. 
It's okay. It's okay. Yeah, I could see them doing it before the game. That's a good, that's a nice thing to have before the game. Like day of, and it's like, hey, let's go. But I'm pretty sure they're going to get it. I'm pretty sure. This is a random question, but what is the, like, is there a signature entree at the Bell Center? Like, you know, like, like a food item, like a food item. Well, there's a lot of restaurants in the Bell Center. Um, mm. Like there was, they change it. Last time I went to a restaurant, I don't like going to restaurants at Bell Center because they're totally overpriced. There was a burger that had the logo, like thingy, like no. the Bell Center are famous for their hot dogs. And to me, they taste like any other hot dog you get at the grocery store or Ikea. Um, so I don't quite know what people are saying about that. Um, but obviously they, there's like different poutines in the restaurant there. But like, if you ask somebody... At the Bell Center, okay, what are they famous for? It's the hot dogs. Okay. They're the same. They have a weird bun, but it's the hot dogs. <laughs> I don't know. what. I don't know. Is what hot dog a sandwich? I don't, no. I don't, I don't want to get into this debate. <laughs> I don't even, like, I, sure, I don't care. It's, it's not, but I don't have, if this is what we're arguing about, I don't, like, there's so, so many other things to okay. argue about. I'll bring it to a poll. <laughs> okay. For cool. the podcast. Love it. Let's do All it. Right. Let's do it. Please share uh, it, guys. If I tag, you. I will. I will. Okay. Nine hundred thousand dollars one year. Wayne Simmons re-ups with two, the Leafs. Two what? years. Was, two wait, years. what? Yeah, he signed what? for two years. I see that. They gave him two years. Yeah. And nine hundred per. Correct. Yeah. He wants that security. Okay. Which is just they're gonna bury it if they don't like it. Yeah, obviously, but Which that's. They gave him two? Yeah. All right. I mean, I'm hey. not entirely Why, sure. What, 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 that was. Like, what, what is your initial feelings, Adam, about the two years, not I, the one year? I don't get it. And neither do I. I mean, did Wayne Simmons really get a lot of value the way he played in the back half of the season? No. No. I don't know if they believed that he was going to. I mean, yeah, whatever. It's like, okay, listen, you can be mad about Wayne Simmons signing two years less than a million dollars or. You could be mad about anything else in the world. You could be mad about the Mitch Marner stuff. I'm still mad about that. There's a lot of things in Leaf fandom that you can be more mad about than Wayne Simmons signing a two-year deal at less than $1 million. It's just, I don't get it, but... Are you calling it in, in my I'm mind... sure as hell sounds like you are. Who cares? It's, <laughs> it's less than like... like I know. First overall pick would get when they sign their first ELC. Who cares? That's I like it. I like it. I think it. Okay, the value there. Okay, so okay, I'll 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 give it two ways to see the value. Okay. Number one, you know, it's a guy that the least I've been talking about for a while. That you know, they just add the guy. They need a gritty guy. They need someone. And I know that he didn't really give the numbers that he was early in the season, but maybe there's just that gamble that he's gonna be okay. You know, after this injury, that we're gonna see more consistency there. The second thing is. I think it's a publicity thing in a way that, you know, it's a local Toronto boy and it's from like, it's from a community that they usually don't see a lot of players come out of. Like, I, I, I can't really name anyone coming out of Scarborough. Oh, and he's really like talked about or coming back to the Leafs, like in the NHL or like even coming back to the Leafs. Like I always, I don't know. I, I really can't. Do you want to know who else is from Scarborough? Who else yeah. from Scarborough. Tyler Toffoli. Okay. Tyler Toffoli. So but he didn't come home. But Why did I say Andy Stewart there? But 
Tyler Toffoli is also from Scarborough. Okay. Why do you want to come home? So, so yeah. I know, I know. They can't afford it. <laughs> so, yeah. I'd love to. I would, I would dare take Tyler Toffoli. I would take Tyler Toffoli. <laughs> no question about it. Um, oh, yeah, so would Oof. Um, I like to the, point out that yeah. gif I did on our podcast. I really love that one. Which Donald one? liked it. The one where um that there was like another fan account for the Canucks saying like why the Canuck Canucks fans should go for the Montreal Canadiens. And the guy didn't list Tyler Toffoli. Oh I so yeah. I put Tyler Toffoli in the yeah. quote in the quote and then I put Adele's we could have had it all uh, rolling in the D. <laughs> yeah. Um here's Pardon? How do you feel about Wayne? I'm indifferent. Like to me, I'm just, I'm not sure what we're doing here because it's the, not that the bottom six was the main issue. Like I, I'm said, like I'm so sure that the first two reasons that this team didn't perform was that their top scorer, that their top guys didn't do anything other than William Nylander. And like, obviously that excludes John Tavares and number two, that Keith again, got out coached. So like this is like my third concern um, that I don't really know what the bottom six is. And it's just kind of concerning. Like you got Jason Spezza, uh, Mikheyev and Wayne Simmons back. So that's half of your same bottom six. Like what are you doing everywhere else? Is Kerfa coming back? Whatever. There's lots of questions there. But again, you have to be so sure that it's the it's the Wayne Simmons that we saw early in the year because after his wrist injury, I I don't know what that was. That wasn't Wayne Simmons. That was somebody in a Wayne Simmons suit. Cause like, I just, I, it was upsetting. Like he had one good game in the playoffs, which was game three, I believe. And just everything else was like mediocre. And he was making one and a half million. Like I wasn't expecting the world from him. I wasn't expecting prime Wayne Simmons. It's just, I was expecting a little bit more than what I got. And another thing is, is uh, the second year concerns me and I, and JD Bunkus brought this up on good show. The, the thing that he was talking about was when you looked at jumbo Joe, he did not get out of the lineup in the playoffs, even though I'm sorry, he really should have like, he wasn't great. And he was like in concrete the entire time. Um, so if we're giving him the second year, what does that mean about his him being in every single game? And like now we're going back to an 82 game schedule yeah. with or without the Olympics, whatever. Like we're still in an 82 game schedule. And if he's not performing, there needs to be someone there to say, sorry, Wayne, you are not playing tonight because you were simply not good enough at the moment. Like that's what concerns me. You know what really would make me mad if I was a Leafs fan? There's Spetsa, tons of things. Spetsa took league men again. And Simmons got a two-year deal. But not what what happened there? By the way, that sucks. Well, they, I'm assuming that raises um that raises Corey Perry's number now. Bastards. I think that's a yeah. more age than it is. Um because Simmons is 32, which I thought he was much older. Um, but his body's older. That's yeah. Thing. Spezza is 30. Where is he? Buddy? He's 30, 37, right? 30, he's 38. I think 38. He, uh okay. he just turned 38 uh June 13th. It just okay. feels very on Kyle Dubas to me. It's just, you know, and we, we had this discussion earlier in the playoffs. Like mm-hmm. you're never gonna get Wayne Simmons back to Wayne Simmons ever again. Like his no. body. Like, you know, I, 
he'll prove us wrong. Hopefully, it's Wayne Simmons, nice guy, great guy. He want, and you know, he said he believes in the group. He wants to win. He's a local boy. That's what we love. See, he's already paying off. I mean, Scar- is Scarborough even in Toronto technically? I yeah, it is. It is. It's 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 part of a. That's a good question. The East End. Pickering's not even though it's right now. Whatever. Pickering's Durham, right? Yeah. I'm sure um, we'll have a discussion on Toronto and like I have tons more to say. Just we'll do it another time. Yeah. My one last thing with it is just again, um, notwithstanding the two years, because I don't understand it either. But the way free agents have been with the Leafs, the way it's kind of been, I think it's gonna be like a Montreal thing where you're just gonna platoon a bunch of guys and then just not say see what sticks, but see what's the most consistent going into the playoffs. One thing. I will say about the bottom six is, and I think uh, we, we mentioned that before the end of the regular season is if that close into the year, you weren't exactly sure who your bottom six was. I think it's a bit of a concern. I would think the Leafs would identify that problem again, going into next year. And, and you would hope at least by the, by the deadline at the earliest, they would know what they would want in the bottom six. Um, and again, like you want to know exactly. One thing I, I really want to mention is, I love when you see someone come into a studio and you can very much tell that. No, I'm not going to say it. I can get in trouble for it. I'll tell you guys after. After, but um. Okay. 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 Um, lads, from here. Why are there Matthew Kachuk Kachuk trade rumors all of a sudden? Because it's Canada. What's happening here? Remember, he said that thing to the fans where he's like, "You used to love me." No, what that was like earlier in the year where like no. I think you know remember the flames were really underproducing. Oh, I think uh, it was that. like an offhand comment where he said like you was that like, all year? Or- I don't know. He said it early on, like like saying it to the fans where it's like, Oh, you used to love me because I think there were like a few games they got booed. Get so over it. That happens in Eastern Canada every yeah. game. Yeah. Have you <laughs> met Jake Gardner? Come on. Have you like- met Ever the left side of the least defense. Like, Carey Price has got Bronx cheered. Calm down, Matthew Kachuk. Like, oh, has he? I mean, like, let's. <laughs> so, what's the uh, current news on uh, our friend Matthew? No, because people are talking about that he's requested the trade and there's been denied denials about it. And, and Elliot Freeman on Thirty One Watts kind of compared like. You know, when he asked about Dougie Hamilton and Seth Jones requesting trades, that there was there wasn't a lot of stuff going against it. But for Kachuk, he has. But if I am Matthew Kachuk, I would want out because I thought to myself the other day. Remember when it was like the Flames were kind of sick of the way he was playing, and they didn't want stuff started like his kind of in your face start a scrum, start a fight every game. They didn't want that every night. And maybe it's because I'm reminded of it watching the team I love so much going onto a deep playoff run. And in the playoffs, you get to a point when you realize what a winning team looks like. And the difference I see from Calgary and I see in a team like Tampa, because I don't want to be too biased and say Montreal, is there is the relentlessness every night and there is the willingness to lay your body on the line. The thing with Calgary is, man, I don't think any of that team has real buy-in. And if you're not prepared, like, again, like I, I don't know how a team, and everyone mentions this, with Lucic, who put up with Marchand on his team, can look at Kachuk, who has been talked about as the next captain in that squad, and doesn't want to play around that guy. 
there is just something so weird in Calgary. And if I'm Kachuk, if you don't like the way I'm playing, even though this is how you win, and he's had his own struggles, I will admit it, but he is the type of player that you would love to have on your team for the playoffs, just the way he grinds. I wouldn't want to be there if I was him anyway, especially because who knows what's going to happen this year and this offseason, and will they finally trade Goudreau or Monaghan? Who knows? And how long is it going to take for them to be good again? Like, who's going to be net for the next few? Well, it's going to be Markstrom, but is he good anymore? I have a hot take with this. Well, first off, before we do yeah. that, I I, actually, I forgot to ask. Alex, what's this goaltending controversy you were talking about earlier? Oh, not controversy. I, I just – With the Flames? No, with the with – the, Lightning and Canadians. Thank oh, you yeah, for reminding yes. me. I forgot. So, you know, last year we talked about, you know, when the Flyers and the Canadians played this kind of handing of the torch idea. This is the real one. This is the real one, man. Like, Vassal, like he's already a top goaltender in the league, but I honestly think in the next few years, he is going to be number one. Like, no question about it. Like, look at what he's already done. Like he has a chance to win back-to-back cups. He's already has a Vesna. Like this guy is, could be cleaning up awards on a yearly basis if he wants to. That's what I wanted to bring up. And I don't think it's been talked about enough that this is the actual passing of the torch. If Carter Hart wasn't bad this year, maybe we could still say it. Maybe in terms of Canadian goaltenders, but right, overall. Right. Like even the player polls, uh, for the first time in years, they said Vassal FC was number one. Um, but anyway, going oh, to start, I just I remembered that. And Thank there's nothing I hate more than on the podcast when you tease something and they never mention it. Sorry, so, I forgot. That hit, me, <laughs> it hit me. No, I should have remembered that you you said okay. it earlier. Okay. Um, anyway, but the Flames, like, man, yeah, I'm good Chuck. Get out of there, man. Of there. Be- before Daniel gives his hot take, I just, if you're trading Matthew Kachuk, you're you're going full fledged like you can't keep like what you're getting what are you getting back from Matthew Kachuk you're getting back something of value but it's like okay what you might as well tear this thing down and start from the beginning yeah Jack Eichel like that's my <laughs> take on it I'd like to hear I really like to hear Daniel's hot take my oh it's not really a super it's more of a warm take okay. Thing about, but I really believe that Mark Giordano is going to leave either to Seattle or he's going to sign elsewhere, and that's going to destabilize everything else in the locker room a lot more than we've seen already. I think that he's he's someone that has been able to kind of keep things together. I know his play has really slipped, but I think once he's out of the picture, where it's I think it's inevitable at this point that he's not coming back is. What what is this team really left with in terms of leadership? In terms of there's another year left, by the way. I know, but there were I know there were a lot of things going on where they're not going to protect him mm. um, for the expansion draft, and I I really kind of feel that he he may leave. That leaving leaving the Flames would be like because after him, like who else is there in that uh, locker room as a leader? Uh, Backlund, Monahan. Imagine that's your leadership group. Chris Tanev, who went through it in Vancouver. Yeah. Goudreau. Uh, yeah, yeah. Markstrom. Uh, the, oh, go no goalies. No, you're not allowed to have a captain. That's not great. That's not a great group. I don't. Tr- and again, if Kachuk's the next guy, 
we already know his team doesn't like him. We have a split room all of a sudden. What like, a great scenario. If I'm um, Brad Living, almost said Jim there for a second. If I'm Brad Living and this is true, like I, I'm not a fan of letting the players dictate what should go on with the rest of the team. But in this case, I do think you have to look at it and say, Matthew Kachuk is, should be the future of this team. And this is who we're building around. He is 23 years old. He'll be 24 in December. This is the guy you are building around. Like, I don't know what's happening with Johnny Gujo after next year. I don't know what's happening with Sean Monahan in two years when they're UFAs. Like, this is the guy you're building around. If that means he has to go through a retool or quick rebuild, because this year's draft apparently isn't great, but who knows about the years after. Like, this is, like, just do it. Like, don't waste Matthew Kachuk's years or either trade him or rebuild around him. Like, I don't think you just diddle-daddle like you have been for the last couple of years. Fair enough. Um, some award stuff. The Hart Trophy, the MVP goes to McDavid. I mean, I have never seen this. McDavid, of the 100, I didn't even know it was exactly 100 people who voted on it. All 100 voters for the Hart. That's the media, by the way. It's various members of the media. All 100 voters put him first on the ballot. It was completely unanimous. This is hilarious. Legit. Shout out to Austin Matthews, who had 69 second place votes. It's pretty nice. I can't. Oh, I can't believe. I'm actually shocked that no one was like, you know what? How about this? And just went with like Vasilevsky, who got some votes in here too. That's insane. A hundred percent of the vote. Uh, that's a thousand because it's a, there's a point system, and that's why that's right. why Lamarello was GM of the year had the most points in the ballot system, right? Like, what is this? He was that good. He shut the riders up, and the riders the riders are always strange. Yeah, I think he deserved it though. I thought it was like I know there was the odd person who'd say there was this other guy who deserved it, but at the end of the day, whether it's the North Division or the South Division or the West Division or the East Division. A hundred point over a hundred points in fifty six games. He was close to two points per game in this era of NHL. I think is impressive. That, yeah, I it's historic. I think um, kind of crazy. Um, two things I think about it. He really proved me wrong because I think when I'm looking back at our predictions for the awards end of yeah. the year awards, I picked Alexander Barkov where he got some votes. Like the sixth. Yeah, he was there, but. I don't know. I just didn't. I I always forget, and I think that it's different. It's a difference now because we're looking back on how deep we are in with the playoffs, and we think about you know what what's our first image of the Oilers, and it's like against the Jets. But I always have to remind myself the regular season what McDavid was able to do, and I I liked it that they got Leon Dreisaitl to announce it for him on Zoom. It's like a transition of power. I didn't watch it because I didn't know it was a thing. So he really, they got Leon to say it, did they? Yeah. It's kind of cool. Do you guys want to know the total rankings? I have them up here. Sure. Um, tied at 19th, Connor Hellebuck, David Pasternak, and Mitch Marner. By the way, um, condolences to the Pasternak family and the passing of their child. Just yeah. crap stuff. Yeah. Just horrible, 
Especially to such a great guy in David Pasternak. Um, 19, 18th was Ryan O'Reilly. 17th, Alho. Tied 15th, Kane and Kaprizov. Um, Kaprizov was also the Calder, the, not the Calder Cup winner, the Calder Award winner, Rookie of the Year. Daniel, was there any doubt, even though he's a bit too old and he shouldn't have won it? <laughs> uh, that's, a lot. that's basically the argument against him. That like, This guy's already a pro. It's, it's the Artemi Panarin argument all over again because – People say like, whatever. It's like people like, oh, Jason Robertson was kind of like, like he probably should have deserved it because you know he actually did go through the minors and then he came. He really did coming out come out of nowhere. Like with Kaprizov, we already knew he was going to be a star in 2015. You want to know how many years he played in the KHL? Six. Yeah. Six seasons of playing. Three of them with Moscow. Don't be and, uh, upset. Don't be upset at Kirill Kaprizov. Be upset at how the rule they blame the game. Right. Isn't there like an age limit now? No. No? I think it's like twenty. There there is one because there was a guy who won in like oh, his thirties and they yeah. were like, no, but it's it's still I think it's in the twenties. Twenty five? I don't know the exact thing, but I think it's more than 25, but it's around there. There's like a meme going on and it's just making me laugh with like, what is it? Artem Zoop is should have been like the winner. Like people keep. Sorry. I just, I'm looking at the hard stuff. You see Soros got a third place vote. Wow. Who the hell thought you see Soros was the third most of what? Who, who looked at you see Soros and was like, you know what? (laughs) UC Soros is more important to his team than McKinnon and Crosby. Which Nashville writer put, picked UC Soros? I don't know, but they need to be <laughs> to answer their crimes. Um, what is that? Is UC Soros a third place? Someone had him as a final. What are you doing? Oh, my. Times. Another guy who got some heart votes, and he wins the Norris Trophy. Adam Fall, another great name. Let me just love it. Adam. Fox. AF. Wow. Yeah, there we go. You don't know how many Adams I've grown up with that also have the last name beginning with F. It's Has any of them spelled their name A T O M? Adam. Oh, I guess. No. <laughs> Adam. No. <laughs> no, Daniel. You know how many science teachers I had make that joke? <laughs> it got say It wasn't funny since like grade five. <laughs> yeah. I, I can understand. Anyway, um, what else am I? I feel like I'm forgetting an award here. Oh, really? I might be. Um, Marc-Andre Fleury wins the Vesna Trophy. <laughs> my relief. My gosh. I've been waiting so long for this. Really? Yes, because... But he hasn't won one before, has he? No, he has not. He's, I don't think he's been nominated. Really? No. No way. I don't know. I remember I predicted, I thought he was going to win it in 2012. I don't know why that year for some reason. But yeah, I don't know. I, this was, as a longtime fan, you know, it's a, it's a huge thing. And I, it's, it, it's so well deserved that, I don't know, so multi layered in a way for me. I'm, I'm so emotional right now. Yeah, where just an, oh, sorry, go ahead. The, keep like, there's the Pittsburgh scenario, the dilemma there. And then they're like, oh, he's washed up. Then like he goes to Vegas and then Robert Leonard comes in but then flurry's like hold on i'm still a starter and he, he did it he, he won the vesna and i don't know it's just for so long people were saying like he shouldn't have been first overall in that draft or he's a guy that you know he 
he shows that sometimes he can be an elite guy, but sometimes he can't be. But I think that the track record now is kind of showing that he he he's a guy. He he's gonna be in the Hall of Fame. I don't know if he's gonna be first ballot, but he deserves to be there. Uh, so you <laughs> you were right about the vet. He's never been nominated for the Vesna or in top three before this year. He's been nominated four times. Uh, the highest he was before this year, obviously, was uh, eighteen nineteen, where he finished fourth. Wow, eighteen nineteen, eh? Yeah, that would have been the year that he was hurt, right? Would that have been the first uh, year that Vegas were in the league? Uh, no, the year before that was their first year. Oh, he he played sixty one games that year. Oh, okay, never mind. Yeah. Okay, um, the Nuge re-signs in Edmonton. A lot of people wondering, would they get it done? There were some pretty high numbers being reported. How did they figure it out? Well, they gave him an eight-year deal. Um, a full no-move clause. The cap hit, I don't think is that bad, $5.125 million. There are some signing bonuses in the last four years, none in the first four, so you could probably trade him if you try hard enough. Not a bad deal. Um, even though he, this adds to the list of players in five, six years, the league is going to be flooded with just garbage deals. That there will probably be some sort of compliance buyouts at the end of that, or that. but um, yeah. no, the Oilers they keep an important player for not a terrible number. Uh, yeah, I, 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 I'm more than okay. Like I think with this deal, I think Ryan Nugent Hopkins was an important piece of this team. He's not. Connor McDavid or Leon Draisaitl, sorry, but he is Ryan Nugent Hopkins, and he is. A, I would say he's a second line guy. Like I think that's that's more than fair. And hopefully by the end of this deal, when he's in his mid thirties, the cap is up, and there could be a trade or something, or he could be a third line guy making five million dollars, and that might not even be a big deal, but. It's the NHL and the salary cap doesn't move apparently anymore because whatever. Um, but another thing with this with this deal and Ryan Nugent Hopkins in particular is that the way he plays, it's not going to age as poorly as other deals that we've seen given out around this age. He had a fight with Sean Monaghan once, and that's the most physical right. he has ever been. Daniel. Right. The nudes, the nugget, as some would call them. Not Ted, just being sure. I that was funny. Yeah, I was thinking. I, I missed you. that joke. What, what do you mean? He's uh, an art, uh, um, uh, this is, he's a singer. Ted. Nugent. Ted Nugent. I don't know who. He's like is. a singer in like the seventies. Yeah, old singer. Anyways, um, so when you were so in the seventies, Daniel, what was it like taking your girlfriend <laughs> to the drive-ins? Really, you can still do that now. And they were like, was, was it like, what was it like watching Wizard of Oz, the first colored movie? What was that like? Wasn't that in the 30s? Was it? Yeah. I mean, 70s was like, what, Godfather? Nugent Hopkins! Okay, anyways, Nugent Hopkins. Um, yeah, I like Groot Alex. I think that this is a success story for the Oilers in terms of the cap hit, in terms of a guy that they want to get. Um, I love that the standard for a success story with the Oilers is recent. Like, yeah, and he, he's mentioned, um, you know, in those pressers after signing it, that he, it's a guy that he wants to keep, he wants to stay at Edmonton his whole career. He's, I know a lot of guys say that, but he really kind of showed with taking a bit of a, you know, a slight discount on that, on that yearly cap hit and, it's a guy that, for all 
that there's been looking back on 2011 in that draft. I know that hindsight is 2020, but I think he's kind of owned up to it that he knew that he's not the best player in that draft. And he, even though he went first overall Mm -hmm. and he's really accepted that with the Oilers and that's been amazing for them because yeah, you get a second line center out of it, but it's a guy that he's just, he's just bought into the system so well. And that's something that I think, is an example of what Edmonton can do going forward when they keep trying to, you know, work up a successful roster around McDavid and Tricital. What is he making for six million? Helps going towards signing Larson or Barry if they choose to do that. Andrew Tournier. I definitely didn't say that right, but that's fine. Uh, the guy who led Canada to a silver medal at the Olympics. Not the Olympic what the, the world, world juniors. No. The world juniors. To only lose to Trevor Seagrass, Cole Caulfield, and the Americans. Love, That's love. Spencer Knight? Spencer Knight. And Spencer Knight. And Spencer Knight. Yeah, Daniel's favorite uh, goaltending prospect. God, he's good. <laughs> yeah, he didn't draw. He knows how to hold a stick. Okay. Um, he's apparently <laughs> the favorite coach to be – or he's the front runner to be Arizona's next head coach. What happened here? It was – talk about uh, like different guys. Like um, I can't remember his name in St. Louis. I'm having a terrible day. Um, it's a cool name. It's Mike a, Van Ryn. Mike, Mike Van Ryn. Van Ryn. What a sick oh, Leafs legend. And That's it sounded like name. he was the front runner. Merrick was talking about it a lot. Jeff Merrick, sports that great guy. Um, and he just – and it was all about Van Ryn, Van Ryn, Van Ryn. And then it just sort of disappeared all of a sudden. And now it's, now it's the French man. What is this? What are Arizona doing? Um, I have an idea. It's just not a pop might not be a popular one. Okay. Um, they are looking for the cheapest possible option. Yeah, I thought about that too. <laughs> not wrong. No, you're not. I mean, it makes sense. <laughs> it seemed that celebrated getting cheap napkins, if you remember that case. Oh my goodness. Lovely stuff. I love that. I like I feel bad saying that because I believe he is like this guy's a good coach. Um, but he's probably the cheapest possible option. I mean, I'm sure he's happy that he gets to be a head coach, right? Exactly. You know? Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Like he wants the experience. Yeah. You just he just has to hope that it's not the effect of like is Paul Fedden ever gonna be a GM again because of the work he did in Minnesota? I think Michael Maybe. Russo's writing will prevent that. Yeah. <laughs> to be honest, yes. from what yeah. happened, yeah. like reading yeah. on what actually like transpired in 14 months. And, like it took a while for Dallas Aikens to get a job again. Like, you know, you yeah. just you just have right. to you know, and and you've been in a lot of conversations talk it hasn't gotten a new job yet. Yeah. You didn't get the 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 Buffalo job instead that goes to Don Granado was the interim coach. Um, the Sabres looked a lot better towards the end of the year than they had in the regular season, which isn't saying much. It's like saying, hey, set a bar for yourself to achieve and you just take a pace half inch off the ground. I have a shout out for that, by the way. Okay. For the Sabres. Okay. To hold on. Wait for it. Do, do, do. Brandon... Selton Rich. I am sorry if I did not say your last name properly. He is a colleague of mine at the Hockey Writers. He writes for the Sabres. And he put up some pretty interesting stats on two guys that have been kind of punchlines for us the last two, three years. 
and they did really well in their last like the last stretch last 14 15 games okay okay Jeff Skinner and no 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 Ristolainen no Kyle Acaposo no we don't talk about him that much. I know. Okay. I'm, just, um, yeah, I'm looking at horrible contracts. Who? Um, Is he, oh, well, definitely Chase Thompson. Yes. Yeah. And Casey Middlestack. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. They did really well. I think Chase Thompson had 12 points in his last 15, and Casey Middlestack was a, almost a point per game guy. And okay. based okay. on their end of the season interviews, like this is the big thing that really helped with that that I liked was they regained their confidence. So before this player was traded to Montreal, he was a member of the Coyotes. And at the back half of the year, it was a stretch down the middle when the Coyotes looked amazing. So did this player. Now he's a member of the Blue Jackets. That was Max Domi. Mm-hmm. I think you have to be careful looking at teams that towards the end of the year are playing well. Mm-hmm. Because if you're going down the stretch, no offense, you aren't playing the Sabres like you're playing a rival. Like, no one is. No one is. The Devils aren't trying against the Sabres. They're young guys that, you know, we, we wanted to give them hope. Is Kyle Lacoposo blocking a shot against the New Jersey Devils? No. Isn't he, like, sick right now? Is he? I yeah. He's, uh, no, he's like he's out. On the roster. I don't Is know. He? I don't mean to take the piss out of Arposo, by the way. Like that guy's been through a lot. Yeah. I just think the two guys because like they they spoke highly of Don Granado. They they looked like they were a bit more settled with him calling the shots. And honestly, like again, like we have to say that we could we have to find the positives for the Sabers. Like, yeah. It's just it's been a whole year of us just talking about. What, all the bad things that can happen have happened. You hired a real hockey coach. I'm happy. Right. You, like, yeah. Not a motivational speaker. You know, he's their seventh coach oh, since 2011. Stop, stop. That doesn't surprise. I thought it'd be more. Oh, yeah. Like that. Yeah. yeah. Um, not even by that. I, I see. I do see the Don Granado signing as a positive in my eyes. And I'm cautious in saying this, this point because I've said it before with Ralph Kruger, but it seems that he brings a positive energy to the locker room. Like he was kind of thrown in there at the worst possible time when they were in the middle of a huge losing streak. But like, if you look at the, the, yeah, the back half of the season and I get teams weren't playing them as hard, but like, I think there was a little more confidence in some of these guys and the beginning of the season with Ralph Krueger, I did not see a single ounce of confidence from the majority of this team. So I think if we can see that going into next year, um, that will be a huge positive for this team, considering the amount of moves that will be happening. Let me make- have- oh, go, ahead. Go, ahead, go ahead. I just have one more fun fact and we can move on. Sure. He, um, Don Granada was the head coach for five seasons of the United States national team development program. And guess who he coached there? Cole? No. I was about to say. Him uh, and wait, uh, it's very important to Buffalo's future. Jack Eichel. Jack Eichel. Yes. He was his coach there. Right. I mean, I mean, I feel like he doesn't care about Granada being coached more than he cares about his neck. Of course. But I think it's a connection there to make that, again, we so, find the small success stories where we can for Buffalo. Listen, I don't mean to take the complete piss out of it, by the way. I do think it's a good hire. It's just, it's too easy with Buffalo. It's In, just, yeah. 
And we've been down this road before. We have had so many episodes. Where we I feel like Don Granado walks the lonely road. I'm pretty sure we have an episode titled The Sabres Are a Dumpster Fire. We have two. No. Dumpster Fire and Dumpster Fire Part 2. Oh, I thought it would be still a dumpster fire. <laughs> no. Burn and hot. No. Okay. A nice little bomb that was just dropped before the show started. From our guy, Elliot Friedman. Friend of the show. E, as we call him. EF. There are rumblings. Chicago is working on the potential Duncan Keith trade to either the Pacific Northwest or a Western Canada. Word is Keith and team are working together to get him to a place he wants to go. We will see where this goes. And then um, the good guy, Pierre Lebrun, quote tweeted that saying, Nothing imminent or close as far as a trade at this point, according to sources. But as Elliot says, they are, uh, there, there are ongoing talks. Duncan Keith very much has a say in all this via his no-move clause. This is about potentially finding a fit that works for him. No guarantee it happens. I like Duncan Keith. Yeah. Obviously not mid-2000s Duncan Keith. <laughs> and he's... He's like one of those last complete BS contracts. It's like, what does he make? Like five point something? I mean, real money. It's like, like almost five point seven. Yeah, five point. That's his cap it. Yeah, five point seven million for Duncan. You could still. There's a team out there that would take a thing on Duncan Keith. And we yeah. were kind of spitballing this before the show. I wouldn't be surprised if Seattle was just like, we need a veteran guy. And I'm not sure his. I'm not. Let me let me double check how much his real money is because they can take the cap if there's no real cash. And I imagine the way that deal could be structured. Anyone who's curious, uh, two more years, uh, five point five three eight yeah. or six two, <laughs> and the salary on it is two point one million dollars this year and one point five. That's a that's a smart ad. Make him captain just cause. Yeah, I. I, I said uh, I tweeted it too. I had a gut feeling it was going to be Vancouver, but I think I I think the middle of the show I had a better idea. Um, the Edmonton Oilers. Oh, I'll I'll say I'll explain why. He can play defense, right? Uh, just to confirm, Duncan Keith is good at playing defense. It's not forty minutes anymore. Edmonton needs someone who can play defense. Even if Clefbaum does come back and we don't know what's happening there, that's still kind of up in the air right now. But they could use Duncan Keith. I don't know how they do it in terms of signing everyone and still improving around McDavid and then adding Duncan Keith. But I still think Duncan Keith is a serviceable, like is a good enough defenseman to play for that team. And it also helps that they have up-and-coming younger defensemen who, if I'm that team and there's a defenseman I want them spending time with, it's Duncan Keith. Very good point. How about so, that? Yeah, let's hear it. A team, locker room guy. Oh, yeah. Exactly. A team in yeah. Western Canada that need to make that move to change their culture. They love that word. Culture. And their head coach knows what it's like to play against Duncan Keith. I know where you're going. The Calgary Flames. <laughs> <laughs> is going to be like, yeah, well, you only beat me a couple times. So pretty. are we starting the Matthew Kachuk to Chicago rumors or? 
Oh, I'm not saying like like that's the deal. Not at all. Like no, I'm just saying like, like that's the next move. It's like yeah. we that's we may lose Giordano, but we're gonna bring in another old left-handed defenseman, and it's gonna be Duncan Keith. You think? What I think about this move for Duncan Keith is, he's just one of those guys that he should like. If it wasn't for Jonathan Taves, he would have been captain anywhere else. By the way, uh, cool to see um, Taves around, eh? Yeah. Yes. Uh, yeah, said yeah. exactly what his illness was. We didn't put in because we weren't going to talk about it today because there's a, there's a lot to talk about with Chicago in a second here. Though, um, I'm just wondering, okay, what? Oh, my God. We mentioned this team, but they're more central. But Duncan Keith is from Winnipeg. That's a good and, point. Like, is there a more grittier, experienced defenseman in this league like Duncan Keith? That they I admit need they, defensemen, yeah. right? They, they've lost that element with uh, Dustin Bufflin. God, he's 37, wow. Yeah. He is it's not less than – oh, no, that's – he's he is not less than 200 pounds. Not at this point, no. There's about 20 in his hair alone. <laughs> I was waiting for that. Not, his hockey DB page is hilarious. He looks like Rapunzel with how long that hair is. Even though he's like brownish, gingerish. We love Duncan the visual bastard. When I was a kid, and then uh, I just remember watching his first time he was in the All-Star game. I'm like, he has two first names. Because I think that was also like, like Talladega Nights was still in my mind. Sorry? Talladega Nights was still in my mind. Say that one more time. What because he had the two first names. Oh, what are you saying? Again. Like, when I was a little kid, okay, and I first saw Duncan Keith in the All-Star game. Yeah. Uh, because to be honest, I'd never really paid attention to Chicago, uh-huh. um, except for Brent Seabrook. He actually was used to be my favorite player for the Blackhawks. Um, yeah, like, I, I, and I was like, I'm like, oh, he has two first names. Yeah. And well, then I thought in, of Talladega Nights. Have you ever seen that movie? No, no, that's what I can't make out. What the, the actual? What's it? What's this movie called? Like, Talladega. Talladega Nights. I have never like, heard. Like you know of the racetrack. You know when Will Ferrell's a. A NASCAR driver? No. Oh. Um, That's why I'm, you can tell now why yeah. I'm very... Oh, okay, okay. I thought I was saying it wrong. No. I just couldn't... A name like Talad... Unless you know it, that's... Yeah. The combination of syllables there is just like... like yeah. Is this going to be for Bizarre Adventure? No. No. no, no. <laughs> May that segment never return. Probably not. Yeah, no. <laughs> Send it back to whence it came. <laughs> I have the doc open like three times. There's an ignore the anonymous goose on the group. I think that's me. Shout out to Daniel, who's probably the anonymous shrew. What's a shrew? I it it looks like taming of the shrew. I don't know what that is. Um. Okay. Uh. Two more things to talk about. First off, the NCAA. They're not going to be happy. Yeah. It's okay because the athletes will be. As of now. The NCAA players can now monetize their names, their likeness stuff. They can get money from sponsorships. Remember when Zion Williams left the NCAA? It's like, yeah, here's like millions of dollars for, was it Nike? Yeah. Or whatever. Um, the NCAA, who I think there's always been a good, um, a good thing of criticism against them for how their athletes don't get paid. Um, they're going to be able to make some money now. And I think this is good for them. I know a lot of people, including people in the NCAA system, will say, well, they get the education. Um, through my humble opinion, 
they don't care about their schooling when they're playing football. And I like, really? Like, I feel like, like Connor McDavid, there was word. I think Dylan Strome made the joke on spitting chiplets. He didn't go to school. No. He's in year two, like he didn't go, he didn't bother. Like, cause he knew where he, was, he where he was going. And a lot of those young athletes, they're confident. They know what they're doing. I just, I, no offense, but the opportunity of the education, um, I don't think that does a lot for those athletes. Um, that, that is not an insult to their level of intelligence, obviously, but that is more a thing of their focus is to the game rather than I'm going to go to my, like, I don't know, French class. I think that's, I think that's for the high end athletes. I, I think I would agree with that. Um, but I do, I do think, and so I'm not, uh, I just, to be clear, I'm not, or, or, disagreeing with your main point about no one's taking the NCAA. No, no, I'm not taking that. I'm saying, I do think like the guys who are more, yeah, I'm pretty sure I'm just here for like, I'm not making the NHL. I'm here to kind of get a degree. Like I think they do take the education seriously. Or the guys you didn't think would, because like, I'm, I'm not going to lie. 2016. I didn't think Adam Fox was going to be amazing. The guy went in the third round. What did Will say? He played with Kale McCarr and he wasn't yeah. Kale McCarr. Right. And yeah, they took, he took, like Adam Fox took the four years. I mean, I know he didn't want to sign with either Calgary or Carolina, but I think just that's one example. But the two things I kind of look at is the first thing is I look back on how crazy it is that this is only happening now because I remember they don't really make them anymore, but there used to be March Madness video games. Or there's still NCAA college football games. Video games with someone on the cover from a school that probably didn't get any money at all. And these are like video games being sold for full price that a lot of people played. I was going to say, does that mean maybe we can finally get NCAA players in NHL? But is there likeness? Ah, maybe. That's all I want. That's it will I'm take, talking. but it will take EA about five years to get that because they have EA. to play in the NHL for it to to be updated. It has, it, it's EA, so it takes five years to do anything. Can't wait for the PlayStation Eight. <laughs> Go and play in the CHL again, guys. We'll review it. It'll be the same review as the one we did this year. What did we even say? It wasn't great. That's no, what you guys give it like a six said. point. Didn't we tell you, Daniel, don't buy it until uh, it went on it sale? Like, yeah, I got it for like $30, I think. That's what good, I'm, good. You know, it's like, don't even bother. Like, it's, there's no point. It's just not good. It's not a AAA title. Like, listen, I'll play that. I will pay that full price for a Lego Star Wars game. Yes. Whenever that's coming out. Oh, yeah. I'll pay the full price for GTA 6 when it comes out in four years. Elder Scrolls when it's actually a step out of time. <laughs> Hello? Breath of the Wild when oh. it comes out next year. How are we? Nintendo's coming up. Clutch. Remember when like the Wii U was out and everyone's like, yeah, Nintendo's done. And then the Switch just saved every... Yeah. Like the Switch launching with Breath of the Wild. Breath of the Wild getting like pushed back three, four years saved Nintendo. To the point where, where Xbox was like, can we buy you? And they laughed at them. <laughs> it was like, what? Like Microsoft gets laughed at by Nintendo. I love it. Um, what I don't love is is the subject we're going to talk about next. Um, again, brutal turn, um, but this is serious enough where 
We knew we needed to save this for the end of the episode. Um, and the reason we've not talked about the Blackhawks situation and their former video coach is, um, for those of you who don't know, and you'll notice that Gary Bettman talked on Monday, NHL commissioners, every year before the start of the cup final, the commissioner speaks. So we knew that he was going to speak. Um, we were hoping by then that Stan Bowman, GM of the Blackhawks, would say something. Still has not happened, but I'm sure he will be asked before the expansion draft because the media and that. Um, former assistant GM of the the Blackhawks, current GM of the Winnipeg Jets, Kevin Chevaldeov, um, I don't think has spoken on this yet. And current GM of the Montreal Canadiens, and f- at the time of the incident we're going to talk about, I believe he was the director of player personnel, and then later on became assistant GM in Chicago, Mark Bergevin, has been asked about this, and he denies any knowledge. Now, I'm going to read some snippets from a athletic article by Scott Powers, Mark Lazarus, who's one of the big beat reporters in Chicago, and Katie Strang, who you may know as the excellent reporter who had that banger of a piece reporting on the Arizona Coyotes earlier in the year. Um, Quickly before you start, uh, content warning, trigger warning. Yes, this is not easy stuff to listen to. Um, Or, yeah, because we're going to be reading it. We're not going to read the whole article, obviously, because go read writer stuff. This is... um, yeah. Not easy to read, but it is a, an amazing article here by all three of these writers. Following their second round round victory over the Vancouver Canucks in May 2010, the Blackhawks flew straight to San Jose for the Western Conference Finals rather than return home to Chicago. They spent a full week in San Jose with four days off before the series began. Um It is then at the team hotel and local bars that word spread amongst players that two teammates had accused video coach Brad Aldrich of sexual assault. Um, Ah, okay. Later on in this article, there is talk of how last month a former player filed a lawsuit against the Blackhawks, alleging that he and a teammate were sexually assaulted by Aldrich and that the team ignored their claims. Earlier this month, TSM reported that two players reported Aldrich's con- uh, conduct to skills coach Paul Vincent just before the start of the Western Conference Finals, and that Vincent brought it to team president, uh, this would be, I think, former team president now, John McDonough, who I believe left over the summer. Yeah. Um, that's my own words there, sorry. Uh, continuing the article, GM Stan Bowman, vice president of hockey ops Al McIsaac, and mental skills coach James Gary. According to TSN, TSN's report, Vincent told the leadership group that they needed to file a report with Chicago police, a plea that was reportedly um, refused. Um, after leaving the Blackhawks following the 2010 season, the team had declined to say why he left. Aldridge told um, confidants he was sick of the NHL grind. He joined the coaching staff of a boys' high school team in Houghton, Mitch, Michigan, I believe is how you pronounce it. Um, not Michigan, obviously, but the, the high school. Uh, in December 13, after his second stint as a volunteer assistant coach there, he pleaded guilty to a charge of sexual conduct with a teenager. Aldrich was sentenced to nine months in a Houghton County jail. A second lawsuit was filed last month by Aldrich's victim in Houghton, alleging that um, the Blackhawks, again, let me make this very clear. The victim alleges that the Blackhawks gave Aldrich positive references when he left the team and failed to report the abuse from 2010. Um, 
There are, in this article, there are some quotes about um, certain conduct of Aldrich in there. Um, I don't want to say that exact stuff here. Again, go read the article as well as um, what I want to focus here on, guys, is um, Mark Bergeron, as I said, denies any knowing of this. There was some word of a meeting. I would assume that would mean the stuff with Vincent, but I'm not going to say for sure. Um, There's been a lot of blurry stuff here. Recently, I believe last week, the Blackhawks have brought in an independent investigator. Gary Bettman, commissioner of the NHL, said that they are going to wait for the findings. Um, All I will say, again, this is all information is out. All I will say on this matter is the Blackhawks, anything that is asked of them that they can provide, I believe they need to do that. Um, And I feel like Kevin Chevaldehov, as he was part of the team, will need to say something. And um, Stan Bowman should probably say something as well. As GM of the team, you would expect there would be a statement before the expansion draft. Um, That's all I'll say on the matter for now. That's not obviously me just saying I want to ignore it, but it's just for obvious reasons. And trust us, the three of us, Daniel's a graduate of Ryerson's journal. You think you did the master's too. Um, We want to be careful with this. So that's all I'm going to say on it. Daniel, if you want to go ahead. Yeah, of course. That from what we've saw with that 2010 team, and again, we we have to see what's going to happen with the investigation from several parties involved in this. And what, as of right now, a, a lot of the the people that went on to become a lot, you know, in a in in these more, I guess, senior positions now, Kevin Sheldayoff, Mark Bergevin, that I think the onus is on them to at least come out with like a more full-fledged statement with that or even Stan Bowman, especially like, I'm not going to get to a point where, you know, there has been a lot like Brent Sopel as one example, who has been a source in a lot of these stories. He, he, he has been really outspoken of what he believes that needs to happen or it, it's something that has to be said immediately because I think that the NHL already has that reputation of they don't deal with things immediately. And I think the second thing is, what what what's really like i guess it, not public knowledge but what's known around the league because i remember dan carcillo tweeted out that he because he was on the philadelphia flyers when they went against the blackhawks in the finals in 2010 and he said that that the rumblings of of something something involving abuse on the blackhawks side was really well known on the entire flyers roster so it's not like there's something that was that was secret. It was something that really even the opposing team knew about. It wasn't just a self-contained thing within the roster for the Blackhawks. Um, I'm, I, I'm just beyond disappointed that this is the point that we're at. Like there's just, I'm disappointed in, in a lot of people, but first uh, like this, these, these allegations are horrible, like beyond horrible. Um, Shout out to Rick Westhead. Uh, the multiple reporters at the athletic, Katie Strang, um, Scott Powers, and who's the third one? Mark Lazarus. Mark Lazarus and WBEZ, who is the seems to be the only one in Chicago talking about it uh, for reporting on this because no one else has. It took two weeks uh, for everyone else to talk about it. It's for I don't know about you guys, but to me, it's a little surprising that this hasn't caught on to the news because this is allegations of a 
professional organization potentially blowing out, like just hiding this, the fact that this happened. Um, like, I think that's beyond sports reporting uh, to begin with. I also think like you guys said, Mark Bergevin uh, and Kevin Sheveldayoff and Stan Bowman, like, I'm, I'm sorry. I don't believe Mark Bergevin. Like, and, I'm, and Mark Bergevin, just for context, yeah. Katie Strang had went on his media availability before the cup final and yeah, he was asked and he completely denied all knowledge just for people who are wondering that's what Bergevin said exactly. Yeah, I, I just, I can't, there's too many other parts of the story that don't add up uh, to what Mark Bergevin is saying to the point where it's like, why? Like, how? How do you not know? Like, either it's a failure of that you didn't, you're not really doing your job because how do you not know this is happening? Or you're now hiding this, which is worse. Um, so, even, like... I'm like, it's just horrible from all, all points of view here. And I, in Rick, Rick Westhead's article, he actually wrote uh, that it was brought to the NHLPA's attention and that the NHLPA did nothing. So again, like what we're having this, how many times have we had this discussion? What on earth is the NHL now or NHLPA there for? Like it, it, it was brought to your attention and nothing was done. Like that's a failure of the fact that you are a player's association. Like you are supposed to be there to protect your players. And now you haven't done that. Like that's beyond disappointing. Um, and, and the Blackhawks, like the fact that all this happened and, and now we're at a point where it's, there's an independent investigation and we'll find out what we'll, we'll maybe find out what happens. It's like, I'm sorry. How did we get to this point? Like that's it, it's just beyond disappointing that that this is the point we're at in, um, in my eyes. And just the last part of the the article here, um, the Blackhawks apparently did not respond to a request for comment to the athletic. Uh, neither did Aldrich himself. And um, just the last part of the article here. Then they have a picture of the Stanley Cup here. Um, Aldrich, they mean here, uh, his name is still on the Stanley Cup. Um, I think that's everything for today. Then. Um, no fun outro for that. Um, and I'm sure as some stuff comes out, we'll, we'll cover it. Um, and yeah. Um, and yeah, you, you made a really good point talking about Rick Westhead. He's, 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 um, he's reported on a lot of, I think he's, he's talked about like the substance abuse stuff within the NHL. Um, he's a reporter who, who's, he, he's not afraid to um, go to the more sensitive areas. One of the best in the league, um, Rick Westhead, great guy. Um, good for him. Oh Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh no. Okay. Um, this new NHL hiring guy is on the screen. I'm not a fan of it. Well, thank you. The voice head as always for being a fantastic platform for the show. Be sure to check out the shows, all the social medias. If there's a social media platform, we're on it. Um, especially the TikTok. That's been a lot of fun. A lot of views on that lately, which is pretty sick. Check out my YouTube channel. Alex's blog, Daniel stuff for the eye opener, as well as the hockey writers. Is there an article coming there soon that we can. Yes. Two, 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 but uh, we'll keep that under wraps for now. We can't say, can we? No. That's oh, yeah. fair. Okay. Um, and with that, everyone, you'll probably, when you hear this, it will either be during or after the game. Hopefully the Habs tie it up. And we will see you Sunday? Yeah, yes. I think so. We'll see how this cup final is looking there and if there's any other sort of news coming around the league because the silly season's about to start. Uh, goodbye and have a good, whenever you're listening, this day, night, whatever.